All right, so those who are closest to me and for those who have followed my journey for many years. Last week, and most importantly this week, marks a very special, um, critical moment, critical turn in my life. Um, when I began as an oncology patient and I began oncology treatments, and they started um, last week, and then this week was when things took a critical turn. Um, I realized oncologists and my oncology team is how difficult it was to zap the hell, or as they use the words, obliviate, this incredibly large tumor that had um, a lot of time to grow. Um, it wasn't an easy, it wasn't an easy case, I'm still not. It was complex. And we had this great plan. They, they had this great plan. We're going to go in surgery. Um, we're going to do a clean and case cut, you know, try to get this tumor and um, any other suspicious spots. And then we're going to do chemo. And then we're going to max out radiation. We're just going to do this three-step. And everything was so well thought out and planned. And um, we get to, like, a week before things were to begin surgery and I was pulled into the main hospital oncology center. They were an oncology group in multiple areas, multiple states. Sat down with an oncology team and they had pulled oncologists um, with their group from different parts um, of different um, locations and facilities and, and some that um, were just in specialty of rare cases. Um, had some insight as well with Rare Cancer Institute, figuring out what to do. And I was told that unfortunately what we have planned is not gonna work. We're not gonna be able to surgically get to this thing. I remember my look uh, was just devastated. Um, I can't say shocked. It took me 17 surgeons to figure out what the hell was going on, what this thing was. Um, everybody kept thinking it was intestinal cancer, colon cancer, and we realized ovarian. Um, and then we realized this incredibly microscopic, maybe even smaller piece of fragment of an ovary it was removed, grew back. The ovary grew back, started functioning on its own, started creating cancer cells. And then when cells and tissues start growing and growing, you end up with these massive tumors. <sighs> I remember looking at them and... Um, I said, well, what, I mean, what are we going to do? I mean, is there nothing we can do? And they said, well, we can max out radiation treatment. Um, we can blast the hell out of this thing. Another oncologist said, obliviate it um, with 3D imaging, with 3D machine, and it'd be external, you know, and shoot through um, in multiple locations and directions of your body, and it'll go around you as you're laying in this bed and then the machine will go around and shoot radiation and we're just going to max it out and instead of taking our time at this we're going to fast track it I had no idea what fast track was but it sounded horrifying um, I got to find out what fast track was I had like one break I think it was like two or three days break for the narcissistic psychopaths who chose not to be present and you abandoned me and the most critical time of my life while saving my life and you knew it you knew where I was at you knew what was going on and you made a conscious damn full choice to not be there 
I've decided today, and I decided it with good trauma therapy, and I'm not changing my mind. I don't forgive you. I will never forgive you for abandoning me and not being present and absent when there was no damn excuse. I will never, ever, ever forgive you for it. I know the universe is good. And I know there are loved ones that are in our guardian angels in heaven. You don't need to do anything when people do that to you. The universe usually, you know, things evolve. That's all I gotta say. Lessons get learned from people that treat you like that. Um, it wasn't important enough for them to be there. Um, and I had Eric there, but Eric, um, while I was recovering, was doing things that were unforgivable of his own. And I realized through the years, this marks uh, five years prognosis. Um, I'm on my sixth year. Prognosis now goes by year. Um, and it's based off of right now your prognosis of what's going on, which is some pretty bad stuff. It grew back with uh, vengeance, let's just say. I got some information and stuff from my oncology group that has my case now, and they sent me this, and I'm just going to insert it in the body of this podcast. It's really important to understand um, how things go wrong, even after doing the most um, harshest of treatments. Um, nothing worked. Nothing experimental worked after. Nothing worked. Um, things grew back. I now understand any medical sense of being and being explained what happened and why my body... Things grew back and why I'm in the situation I'm in now. And I can't change it, but I damn well can change my decisions and self-respect and things that I decide for me that are good for me and they're good choices for me and they're healthy choices for me. And for me to continue, as I say, cultivate good and allow good people to fill the voids and people that I had to remove out of my life. As my trauma therapist said, as you try to reconnect unsuccessfully um, these people didn't change um, somehow it just seems like they got worse um, there's a permanent disconnect and that's where it is now and there's no more energy given to people that don't deserve your time and most importantly don't give them your free energy I learned so much through trauma therapy in a spiritual sense because we use a lot of spiritual um, ways and means and sense of being um, with trauma therapy and life transitions of what I'm going through to make good, positive choices. Although nobody can tell you, um, no seasoned, great trauma therapist by any means can tell you what to do. Nobody can tell you what to do. Um, you make the choices based off of knowledge and expertise and people that are licensed to help you and guide you. And spiritually, you make choices. And you look for the signs, you heed the signs, and um, you go with your gut and you go with your soul. And that's what I've been doing. Um, but I've been doing a lot of soul searching too, and I've realized I, I, don't, um, I don't want anybody in my life, ever in my life again, who made a conscious choice to abandon me when I needed them the most. And the people that were closest that should have been there, they consciously weren't, and they used nothing but excuses. Over the years, I heard nothing but excuses, evade, avoid. If, if that, they would evade, avoid. But really, as I was told by many people I talked to, there's no excuse for not being present. Um, as a point of Eric as a spouse then, but he wasn't even invested emotionally um, to be a support to you. He was doing things that were really extremely hurtful. Luckily, I found out like three months after I got done with my last treatment on my road to recovery and... Um, 
Um, I stayed married to him. I'm understanding why is because as an empath, um, we tolerate a lot and we tolerate too much and we know better. Um, and the people who hurt you, they know. They know better too. That's the thing is to not, you know, treat people. Um, a word, good word, um, cruel, cruelly. Cruel, downright damn cruel. Um, especially when people are sick. There's a moral sense, as I was told through therapy, as a moral sense, a moral being, as a human being. Um, when we do things and we abandon people when, at their toughest times in life, you don't get a do-over, it's never a second chance. Um, but if time goes on and people still don't change, they get worse, then the disconnect has to stay permanent. Um, you can't try anymore. I can't give any more energy. That energy is for me. This is time in my life I can be selfish, and I'm going to be selfish. For once, I'm going to be selfish and focus on me and my happiness and what makes me happy and continue cultivating good and bringing good people in my life. Um, that includes having, um, and, and I deserve a damn good man in my life for once in my life. I deserve a good man, a man, you know? I deserve someone to love me unconditionally, um, support me unconditionally, be there for me unconditionally. Um, for it to be a two-way street, to give back what I give. And um, I've realized through my life I've given a damn too much in relationships to uh, people who didn't deserve it. Um, and other times if a relationship didn't work, it was worked upon and we'd try to work it out or it was mutually decided. But for some reason, somewhere along the line, things went astray and I'm figuring out why and to correct that. And um, you have to work on yourself so you don't make those changes or make those bad decisions anymore. But a positive change and I have been working on that. I've been growing and evolving um, quickly. And that's a good thing too. A prognosis is a year. That's based off of what's going on. Um, of course, I was given a prognosis of five years and I beat it. Um, I'm on six years. Um, my last treatment uh, was May 16th, which is a very important date. Um, we knew at that point, as I was told, is this doesn't look very good. Um, I'm sorry this is not good. It's not good news, I want to tell you, but we had a really hard time um, trying to isolate the tumor. We had a hard time trying to get the beam, which is radiation, and every time I came in, it moved. Um, it was fused to my um, intestines. Uh, it was fused against um, abdominal wall, um, very large, and it hid a lot. They got it to a feasible size, which allowed me to travel. So it wasn't all bad. I don't regret the decision I made. I did. Um, I shared that part of my journey. That's why the people that are narcissistic psychopaths, narcissistic people only give a damn about themselves. They don't care about anybody else. They're not going to be there during your treatments, trust me by saying. And they'll use every excuse, evade, and avoid they can to avoid their own fault and own hurt they cause people, especially when they're sick. They're the worst people to be around. Don't fill your life with them and don't associate with them because it's a damn, it's, it's a damn thing. Don't do it, you know? Just don't do it. Don't. You sense it, don't do it. If you don't know what narcissistic personality disorder is, I suggest sitting down with a licensed uh, mental health provider therapist. This is um, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and it's so important, you know? If you're not sure what you're dealing with and something's going weird, and that's how I felt, like a fog, just, poof, I don't know what the hell was going on, and now I know. Um, narcissistic people also play victim. 
um, they will play victim. They have many masks when they become victim. They could be in one conversation of, of just like, oh, how's everything going? And then if you bring up something that's damning and they have to face the sound of music of something they've done. I've went through this. I went through this last week. Literally talked to an individual who wasn't there for me during radiation. Um, lied by saying they didn't know I was where I was at. They were. Um, I have phone records back it up. And uh, start a conversation like I'm trying to explain. And I'm allowed to talk about um, issues and problems from the past that need to be resolved. Um, being absent during radiation is one big one that you're not going to get away with with me. Um, for those not present, you're not going to get away with that with me. Um, I'm not going to let that slide. I'll never let it slide. It's called self-respect. If the tables were turned and I did it to you, would you be okay? Ask yourself for those who weren't there. Ask yourself, you be okay with that? You shouldn't be because that's morally not okay at all. Morally, ethically not okay. It's unexcusable not to be present. Especially in a position title you are in somebody's life is going through that. They're saving their life. They're trying to save their life. Cancer treatments, oncology treatments are not to be taken lightly. And I knew that and I was told that. And I'm going to tell it to the people who aren't there. It's not to be taken lightly. I don't forgive you. I will never, ever forgive you. To my last breath, I will never forgive you. And I don't have to. It's an understanding between me and God and he understands. So is my guardian angels. I don't have to forgive you and I'm not going to. But I disconnect and I have decided to completely disconnect. I will never try to... Um, Reconnect anything, I'm done. And why does somebody on the phone play victim and literally start yelling on the phone, um, shocked, because they can't understand that you have to face your demons and when you cause people problems and hurt, hurt. When you can't face your demons and you really truly hurt somebody to the core, you can't face your demons. Your demons is sometimes, as we say, the darkness that sometimes we all have. And some people have more darkness energy. It's dark energy. People are big into energy, you know, respect what I'm saying. Some people can't face what they've done, their actions. They will evade a void. And then sometimes they'll play victim. If somebody else is in the room, they'll play a great victim. They will play the victim card. They will flip the situation so they don't take the heat and they don't look bad for what the hurt they've caused somebody. I had a lot of false judgment, some really, really damning, damning hard judgment against me while I was sick. I had people that played victims so well, they needed to be in the academy, maybe go up to get academy award. They needed to be in a movie instead of life, in their own life, they needed to be in a movie because they held a really good script. It was fake. They played a victim, made everybody feel sorry for them. Made it look like I was this and that, and I had mental problems, and this, this. I, I, yeah, I definitely, I definitely am with mental health providers now. Because all of that I went through and abandonment, not having support, and being so sick, and, and looking at people who should have been there, and they evaded the void these excuses, and then they fought. They fought, as I was told in medical term, they fought your illness. They fought it. They didn't want to deal with the burden, maybe. I don't know. Nobody really knows what they're thinking. And people are narcissistic. You're never going to figure them out anyway. So don't try. And a licensed therapist cannot help a narcissistic person or a narcissistic cult. It's more than one person. Um, they're never going to figure it out. They're untreatable, as I was told. They're never going to be treated. Um, narcissistic people don't change. They just change mass. I had somebody literally play victim on the phone and start yelling. I hung up. And I, before I hung up, I said, I am not going to tolerate this again. I will not tolerate for you playing victim when I told you you can't apologize for not being there in the same sentence, same breath, 
say I didn't know where you were when you did and then tell me it's in the past you weren't the one who went through it and you're not the patient and you're not the one who's sick as hell you don't have a right to use excuses and it's just excuses but you have a dual right a godly right and some decency and moral is to allow somebody and listen to the hurt you caused and give a sincere apology and not a damn excuse again I have decided to permanently disconnect. And under that same breath, I made decisions this month that I really needed to. I told myself if I live to be five, six years prognosis, six years was golden to me. I'm there. Um, I know things are not good at all. Um, I'll leave it there for those three people closest to me. I know you know. Um, for the two who met me during my last testing, you know what I'm saying too. Um, they're not good. This is the worst it's been. Um, with some medical terminology I was given to look at um, because I'm more of an educational person, understanding. Um, and sometimes I'm a hands-on person, but to understand the medical terminology and how things are and that, this is what I was given and told, and it makes sense. Um, I've had to make decisions, and um, the decisions are made for me, by me. And um, help with clergy. Um, with those in the church ministry that I um, had reconnected with and talked to and some new friends and um, friends that have become family, soul parents, therapists, um, but most importantly as well as, as my medical team and those who do their best um, to help me right now. The best they can. There's no cure. It's told them miracle cure. We're not going to cure you. Things get worse from here. They have. But um, the understanding and knowing where, you know, I have to make some decisions. Some really, really, really hard decisions. They weren't easy, but they had to be made. Um, the first thing I did last week is I had changed all medical directives, living will and everything. Um, because I no longer live in Ohio and Kentucky, I'm not really there much. Um, obviously, for reasons. I work now from home. I work from primary residence in Indiana. I'm still working the best I can. Um, I have to continue working to offset medical costs. Um, a lot of these drugs are not covered, and some of them are very little covered. So I'll continue working from home. I enjoy it. It keeps me extremely busy during the day. allows me to, to be present one-on-one -on -one with my fur kids. allows me to continue to still doing rescue work, rehabilitation. I can do so. Um, I just can't travel back and forth anymore. I'm not sure with secondary properties, what I'm going to do. Um, the market's really well right now. Um, the goal would to be to sell as well, sell Indiana property um, within the year. And right now I'm just trying to figure out where I want to be. Do I want to be Kentucky or do I want to be closer to friends that um, I've become through, I've come through just what I've gone through. Um, and with uh, learning a lot through therapy, we become closer as friends to be closer to them. Um, I'm not sure. I'm just kind of feeling things out. Um, but I did change all my medical directive. Um, I had to remove Eric off of everything. And the reason being is because, um, and, we, and I discussed this with Eric um, yesterday. We had talked through some things this morning. And... Um, because the times when he's supposed to be there um, through medical stuff as he was not as, um, he wasn't invested, emotionally invested. He wasn't 
invested in being support. Um, and I can't let that continue happening. That's a um, self-respect. And um, that's having backbone of steel. I'm not going to let that continue. And I'm not going to let it slide. And for some people, a couple of people who said he, they felt he got married for um, some type of gain through disability, through long-term um, survivor benefits, things like that, um, beneficiary reasons. I have also made changes with that with an attorney. Um, they have all been notarized. Uh, some had a couple witnesses. Some others we had four witnesses. That has been taken care of. Um, I appreciate those who stepped forward. Had no problem. But I have removed um, everyone who was not present. Um, that weren't supportive during the most critical time of my life. Which was oncology and being sick as hell. Over the past several years. I've removed everyone from my life permanently. If they're not support and they continue not being support, there's no reason for you to be in my life. Um, I wish people well. I do. Um, but the disconnect it had to happen is permanent. And uh, I'm making sure to protect myself. Uh, the people who make medical, medical decisions in that, um, both of them are licensed. And um, they are in the medical field, and I'll leave it that way, uh, fully aware of my decisions and things I want and to making sure everything is respectfully prosecuted or prosecuted. Everything is um, <laughs> prosecuted, professionally um, executed, excuse me, prosecuted, executed. You know what I mean? So I feel like uh, if I feel at peace by my tone of voice, I am because that was a lot of weight to get off my shoulders. The thing is to get all the weight off my shoulders and to be at peace with things. And um, that was half of what I know needs to be done this month. Um, the other half work with the attorney for going proceeding with separation agreement and then um, um, pursuing the rest of the uh, process. Um, I give an Eric a lot of opportunities to be a spouse, um, to change. He's done a lot of really hurtful things. Um, he doesn't... Um, He doesn't argue or disagree with it. Um, he did admit this morning he has done a lot of hurtful things. Um, but the thing is, he's continued. He's, it's one thing to say you're going to change. But in my position of where I'm at with my life, um, actions to me just mean everything. And um, if he was in it for a quick check or thought I was going to pass away, I got that covered. That's not, and for people that were worried... And I understand it was just for me, for my well-being, and because maybe people were concerned. He's not gaining anything on that aspect. It has all been changed. Um, everything's been documented, notarized, and executed, so that's not going to happen. But I have to get the separation agreement and things which start uh, the paperwork either today. Um, this has been kind of a day for me physically. I had a lot of pain yesterday. I pushed myself probably too much. Um... Medication things that I'm on is not a guarantee, as I was told, that it's going to eliminate the pain. Uh, the goal is to put a pain pump in. I just don't know. We don't know. My surgeons don't know if we can even get to that point now. Um, so they're doing what they can. We have to constantly, we're realizing we're going to stick on one game plan, treatment plan. We're realizing it's maybe not going to work. 
So unfortunately, the ultimate drug and things that we thought was going to work, um, I had a lot of pain yesterday. I held a lot of pain last night. Uh, I didn't sleep much. Um, I filled my day with the pain of working, and working for me just helps me get my mind off of um, the bad days when the pain is just breaking through. It's called breakthrough pain. And no matter what um, is out there, no matter strong, how strong it is, if the pain's that great, it will break through any medicine. And I'm dealing with that. We've been dealing with that for five weeks. And um, I'll be darned, we're dealing with it again. The medicine's not doing it. It did for like a couple days, and then it was like, here we go again. So I'm not sure the game plan. Um, I go back in two weeks to the hospital and uh, sit down uh, with my specialists and figure out what we're going to do. And they will collaborate with oncology and my other doctors to see, okay, what are we going to do? Because I can't be in this kind of pain, you know. Um, it literally will knock you off your feet. And it's a good thing, you know, with the podcast, entertainment channel and things like that. And um, being a creator and doing stuff for uh, TikTok and TikTok business marketplaces that can work from my laptop, you know, from my couch, which is my couch bed and my work office, my desk. But um, the plan was, is I had went over everything with Eric on the separation agreement. There was, um, with spousal maintenance, uh, attorney is definitely hitting him for, for rightful reasons. Um, given Eric, and he had an opportunity um, to change, to show me that he actually cares. Not just tell me what I want to hear, but by actions. Um, I owed Eric nothing. He did a lot of things. And um, I gave selflessly. Um, I gave because I just believe that's what a spouse does. Is you put your you put your other half forward. You know, sometimes a lot of times you put them before yourself. And I wasn't getting that. Um, I'm past the emotions of it. I'm past the hurt. I'm past all that. Um, I just want to be done with this part. We're trying to figure things out. Um, because there's some unique parts of legal separation um, that have to be altered and changed. But um, the spousal maintenance was a big thing that he was not agreeing on. So to have an attorney just try to explain um, how they come up with the number is for different reasons than that. Um, this morning, he kind of pretty much, I believe, he had the aha moment. Like he kind of understood why. Um we came up with that number, but um, that's really the main thing. And of course, um, selling off Indiana property, he was still adamant about not paying for a realtor um, fee for listing. But I told him that tried selling this on our own by owner, and it wasn't successful. Um, I had a lot of problems we ran into, and when we did have it under contract. The couple that was supposed to transfer to Cincinnati, things fell through with their job, with their transfer. They could no longer fulfill their end with the bank loan. And of course, then you don't make it. You could go away to the last two weeks and things fell through. So it's kind of like, as I was told, real estate world through the title company that I was using for helping and doing just a private sale by owner is that you can think you got everything you know, as they say, under your belt. But until really you sit down at closing table and you actually sign that last paper, that's when you know the sale is complete. Um, things can fall through, as he said. I've seen things. I've seen things fall through even a day before closing, and it happens. 
Um, now that banks are getting more strict in that and things happen and they don't want to see any kind of loan or any type of activity and, you know, they can do another pull through your credit and just one little thing comes up and it could be a big problem. So um, I don't want to do for sale by owner. Um, Eric does. So like I said, it's um, more little things like that. We're not seeing eye to eye. So separation agreement is just the pre-process, um, but it kind of just null and void everything. Um, I'm protecting myself. I'm protecting um, with my disability rights and things. And if it's true that he got married to me for a quick check, um, it's not going to happen anymore. And I told him that yesterday. Um, things that are already notarized in processes, you're not going to. Um, it's not going to happen. And I have reasons why. And um, he gave me reasons why it's not going to happen. So um, eh, that's that, you know, making decisions for myself that need to happen. Um, Eric will have to take on responsibility and things still to a certain extent of time. And he's fully aware of that. So it's not, as they said, a normal break in the marriage. Although you deem you're done, you're done. Obviously, you're legally separated, you know. Um, and in the process of finalizing things, however, because of the situation at hand in that, um, there's certain things we still have to um, work with Eric on. Um, but he has to be in agreement. And if he doesn't do as he said and um, wants to continue on in a non-peaceful environment or whatever, then um, motion gets filed and things happen, you know. Um, I'm going to do what I need to do to make sure the rest of my life is as peaceful as possible and um, every legal means that I can to make sure that it stays peaceful as possible. Um, I deserve the best. Um, I have shortchanged myself, I've realized, for a very long time. Um, Eric made a comment and he kind of shot himself in the foot on that one, but he said last week, you give people, you have a flaw with you, I've noticed. Um, you give people too many chances, and then you wonder why things don't change. Is because when people really do things to hurt you, you still keep giving them chance after chance after chance. I looked at him and I said, that's funny, because I've done the same to you, but a lot longer. It kind of was like an aha moment for me. Um, I didn't say anything then, but I've been, I told him, I said, when you say you're going to change and you're going to work on a marriage, I'm not going to go by what you say. Cause every time you tell me all these great promises and this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Nothing follows through at all. It's just whatever I want to hear. It's words. Words don't mean anything. Actions is what counts. Um, I haven't seen the actions. I continue not seeing the actions. Um, I'm not wasting my energy anymore on anybody, including Eric. If you can't be of a positive support, be there unconditionally um, and support unconditionally, especially when I'm doing the same in return, then it's not going to work out. I'm not going to argue about it. Um, th things would just need to go on one way of life and the other goes on the other path of life. And that's just the way it is. Um, I'm not going to ever, and I will never use excuse, and I don't think anybody... Um, with chronic illness or terminal illness needs to ever use an excuse that I'm just going to put up with it and stay with it and put up with it and put up with them, put up with that and put up with this person, put up with disrespect because I'm sick. I mean, would you want to be on your last 
breath surrounded by people who really they're not there for you unconditionally they haven't been but you just settled i mean i don't want that kind of disrespecting myself at the end of a journey there's no way no how um that's why i said when i pass right now as it stands is i'm going to be surrounded by my animals um of course hospice will play part in that and um at home nurse care will play a part unfortunately to when that gets to that point to do that but um there's also legal um paperwork and things that will secure to make sure that nobody no matter where I'm at will be around me or be allowed in the property or near the property when that time comes I have a right to pass and be at peace in the most peace possible and peace to me um by my choice is by being surrounded by my animals my fur kids who've been there unconditionally love me unconditionally and everything I've gone through they've always opened my eyes and they're there you know Um I'm sorry for people who understand that. I didn't have human people. I didn't have people when I opened my eyes. In the toughest times of my life, I didn't have people that were there. The people who should have been there weren't there. I wasn't surrounded by human beings. I was surrounded by animals. That should explain a lot of where my heart has always been. Um and half of my heart was given to the animals. Um I know and I've connected with many people that feel the same way. Um I've also connected with people who say they're not people persons and um particularly a lot of people and I don't know if it's covid or things that happen or um we're just in staying age that um you know they find more um peace and happiness in life is doing things um on their own and not getting too close to people and just having acquaintances instead of really close friends everybody's entitled you know to live their life the way they live their life. Um people are entitled to be happy and whatever that happy and happiness means. There's no one size fits all to the word happy and being happy in life. If that's like the biggest piece of wisdom and advice I can give people is there's no one size fits all to happiness. We shouldn't judge other people for what makes them happy. Allow people to be happy. Period. That's it. But at the end of the day, end of the journey, I'm not going to be. I'll be damned if I be surrounded by anybody who wasn't there for me. I'm not going to do it, and I don't want people to sit there and make it again, judge me, um, make some brash, um, wrong judgment, false judgment about me because it's my decision. I'm not going to have it. I will not have a visitation. I will not have a funeral. I don't want people around me or people who let's just say I don't want the people that weren't there. to force their way and put on a big show of how sad they are and how devastated they are when they weren't even there. That's an act. And, you know, funerals and visitations in my opinion and maybe I'm old school is utmost respect for the deceased. And if you can't be there for somebody when they're alive, then no you don't need to be there when they've passed or they're passing or after. And that's my opinion. I'm entitled to it. And I feel so strongly about that. I don't want a funeral. I don't want visitation. I don't want that kind of circus going on. Um I don't I want to be um I want to die peacefully. I want to be surrounded um by the love of my pets, my fur kids, my animals, my rescues. That's my vision of peace in a quiet setting. Um peaceful music and that's how I am going to plan on passing. 
I'll do everything I can. I will execute and I'll do what I can and I have. I've legally protected myself. That is a piece of self-respect that all the money in the world will never buy is peace, self-respect, and having a weight and a sense of relief like, oh, that's how I felt in the first part of every, all this paperwork and things that had to be notarized and going through the process is half of it's done. I was told, okay, half of it's done. I sent it over to a lawyer's office. Half of this is done. Now the other half. Uh, I have to sit down with Eric on separation agreement. This stuff needs done this week. We need to get the ball rolling because that way I'm secure. I told Eric, this is a sense of security. I'm not comfortable with you making any kind of end-of-life decisions for me or any medical decisions, to be honest with you, because he's done nothing but prove to me that he's he's just... Um, it's not the word irresponsible. He's just um, not invested emotionally or supportively. He's not invested. I'm not going to have it around. Um, I chose two people that um, have the background. They have experience. They're good people, good souls. And they will respect and make the best decisions for me if it comes to a point that I can't. And I'm comfortable with that. Um, but it doesn't involve a nursing home. I will never, ever be put in a nursing home, period. And to the point where end of life, it won't be at a hospital. It'll be through hospice in my home setting. Um, if before that time we sell the house, we sell properties, and I have my own place, it'll be that place. I don't see and I don't plan that far in advance in my life. I live for today in this minute and second. But whatever home is, home is, is where I'm at, that's that's just not my envision of what I'm going to... No, it's going to happen. That's how it's going to be. I will never, ever, ever be put in a nursing home. Ever. I have seen things, and I have my opinion, and it, um, I'm never... No, it's not going to happen. So in order to protect that from ever happening or anybody try to even think for a hot second, hot New York minute, it's not going to happen. It won't happen because things are done now. I don't have to feel... Like I have to watch over my shoulder. Um, I'm going through enough pain right now as it is. I'm focusing on myself. I'm focusing on being happy. I'm focusing on me. Me. One billion percent me. For a change. And I don't feel guilty at all about it. I don't feel guilty for disconnecting with people that weren't there. Continue not being there. Continue causing problems. Continue cause, causing petty drama. Um, causing issues. Making really stupid decisions doing stupid things to get a rise out of me. It looks childish, mature, immature, and it just makes the people who do that look stupid. I don't want to be around it. I don't want to be involved with it. I'm too old for those games. I'm not in high school. I'm not playing them anymore. I don't want to be around people like that. I don't want to be around people who use excuses why they can't be there, weren't there. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to be around it. Um, I wish you well. Take care. I wish you well. Peace be with you. That's it. No more. I'm done. But um, this is, like I said, there's a lot of change, swift change. Uh, and it's all happening this month. Um, I free yourself for my journey. I mean, I literally am freeing myself. I got half of myself freed. I'm just waiting on the other half to get done this week. You know, this is a critical month last week. And this week, most importantly, when I finished my last treatment and sat down and I was told that it didn't work. And this is just temporary. We got the tumor shrunk. 
to, I mean, a feasible size to where you'll be able to, like, get out and live life a little bit. But I want you to understand that this is going to grow back because we couldn't get rid of it. It's still there. It's going to come back. And sometimes when it comes back, it comes back worse. But we were able to at least, and they were able to at least give me time to enjoy life. <sighs> if there's anything I could reverse time, that I could have done different um, after that last oncology treatment on May 16th, six years ago, is that I didn't live life harder. Um, meaning I didn't do more than what I did. I don't know if physically I could have. I traveled, went to Vegas, went to Florida, saw the ocean again. Um, I don't know if I could have lived harder, although I probably would have pushed myself if I knew things were going to get this great and come back this strong. If I knew the pain was going to literally just be, I mean, the pain wasn't around the clock before I started oncology treatments. It was positional, meaning it hurt when I sat, it hurt when I laid down um, where it's at. It's pushing also on the nerve that wraps around your waist. Um, but I didn't have it 24 hours, seven days a week. It took time to get to where it's at now, the pain. Because it grew back and now it's bigger than it was before we started. I didn't um, expect it to get this bad. I could not have predicted it either. But if I could have lived harder and went more and did more, I would have done more. Um, for anybody who gave me hell while I was sick and literally forced me in the most asinine, ridiculous court situations because they were so mad that I was sick. And that's really, as I was told psychologically from a mental health provider, is these people were mad that you were sick. They were fighting the illness, not you. But don't create petty drama and put situations in a court system and have judges throw it out and reprimand your ass in court. Because you can't handle somebody being sick. When people become sick, they're not the same person you're used to. A good person, a good soul, with decency, most importantly morals would know that. Don't go throwing people in a court system, creating, falsifying, doing some ridiculous stuff. And having a judge reprimand you not once but twice. Don't do it. If I could reverse the hands of time, I would have put a GoFundMe up there because I was taking my money and putting it towards oncology treatments and medication that rare cancer institutes wouldn't cover. If I would turn that hands back again on that clock, I would have gave anybody who wrapped me in and the person who did that, I'd have gave you a million kinds of hell back. I'd have gave you hell 10 times over for the hell you gave me. You got the rest of your life to live with the stuff you did by creating falsifying stuff, bringing things into matters that weren't even a place in a court system you did. One person orchestrated all this, I know for a fact now. One person. You did that stuff and put you through more stress. You know what stress does when people that are sick and going through oncology treatments and cancer treatments, you know what stress does? It expedites the process of getting sick again. You're expediting the death of somebody. You're expediting the death of somebody. Stress makes chronic illness worse. I'm coming off oncology treatments, I'm going to oncology treatments. You're creating a stressful situation for somebody because you can't handle being an adult and working your differences outside and you've got to make some crazy ass shit. Excuse me, SH star T. And go throwing things and creating things. And put me in a situation I was so sick. Could have took attorney money. It was just 
I could have just lit it on fire. And a bonfire in the backyard. That's what I was doing with money that was so critical. It was for me. I could have used that money to live. Now, if I could reverse hands of time, anybody who would have tried to do anything out of spite and take things that don't belong in a court system in a court system, I'd have gave you a million kinds of hell with every dollar, every last penny. I would have set up a GoFundMe. I'd have created millions of dollars of support. And I would have made a grave lesson learned. But I feel like the judge who took the situation in Chambers and, and a story about his brother going through cancer, I think he gave the greatest lesson learned. I just don't believe, I don't believe everybody's listening. And that's a shame because it was a lesson learned. That's the only thing I would change really over the past course of the years. Um, now that I'm in this important, critical part of my life, you know, um, trauma therapy um, my intake in that and my therapy is based off of life transition transitions in life um, some are positive and some are, are hard I'm going through chronic illness and knowing things are getting bad and they're getting worse and pain's not working and um, I'm sorry the the means of pain prescription pain's not working breakthrough breakthrough pain just keeps getting worse and worse and worse you know and you can't do all the things. Like I could say if I, I could have lived harder, meaning I can't do the things I used to do. I miss biking. Um, I miss hiking. I miss traveling. Last year, I was so thankful and blessed. I love history and wineries, and I love the great outdoors. And I'm so blessed I was able to do that stuff. Um, I was able to travel still. I'm so fortunate and blessed. I just maxed it out last year. And it was sometimes really hard and excruciating pain. And I'd take a pain, um, thermal wraps with me. I'd take herbal wraps with me. I'd be, I love to drive. Um, I just love to drive, you know. I'm not good on the passenger seat. Although sometimes I was. But I got to enjoy life. And after oncology treatments, I got to go to concerts again. I got to enjoy life and to smile and whatever that meant, you know? Um, I could have had more of that if I wasn't dealing with people that have no control over their emotions and have no heart. They have no heart. No compassion, no heart. I could have spent that time and attorney money on other things called enjoying life. That's a good reason why. I never have a funeral visitation. I don't want those people around me ever again. It will not be made. And having, as I say, a shell cocoon in my body and a mockery of people crying and feeling so, oh, I feel playing victim when they're anything but a victim. Not even close. I don't want it. You know, I don't want it. This month means a lot, and I appreciate the people who reached out. So I was just thinking, even people who have just, some of you have reached out just to say, hey, I was just thinking about you. And those who followed um, for original blog and you knew, um, I've been watching um, my life, sharing parts of my life, not everything, but I've been watching for years. I appreciate the emails and just saying hi. I was just thinking about you this week. Um, hey, hi, you know, just seeing how you're doing. Um, I appreciate that. You know, um, I think the greatest, most important lesson I've learned in my life, and this is a God honest truth and God knows, 
as um, you can have all the money in the world, but materialistic things don't buy anything. They don't buy everything. Um, money's money. Um, the greatest value and things you learn in life don't cost a thing. They're priceless. Um, the happiest, most greatest memories and um, pleasures in life are by, created by God. Our great outdoors, our parks. Um, history plays a good part in that of enjoyment. Um, broaden your horizons and learning things. Um, you drive a, driving a Lamborghini, you're not going to learn much. Um, may be great, you know, to walk and drive around with this great car. You may have the greatest convertible ever. Um, you may enjoy the great outdoors and the breeze hitting your face and whatnot. Um, but that's truly, by my experience, that's not, that's not living life, really. Um, materialistic things don't mean anything. They're just materialistic. Ask God, because um, when your time comes, that's not what you bring home. When you stand before the maker, our maker, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, this is what he's going to tell you. Um, it's not about what you bought or what you have when you're standing before him being judged. <laughs> I think Chester agrees as a rescue. It's about what you've done on earth and what you have left as a legacy behind and what you enjoyed and things that money couldn't buy. Um, it's about your heart. It's about your soul. It's about you being judged before God, not based off of your bank account or what you've bought or how much excess you have. It's about what you gave selflessly. That means what money will never, ever buy. That's how you'll be judged. I think when we're, um, while we're here on earth, we just strive to be the best versions of, our, versions of ourselves. We need to be kinder. We need to be more compassionate. We need to be more gentle. We need to love unconditionally. We need to support unconditionally. And most importantly for people who are ill, chronic illness, I don't care what it is, and are suffering, we need to be present unconditionally. Not after they've passed at a gravesite. Take the time now while they're present. You're present with them while they're alive. That's the time. Use your time wisely and invest it wisely. Not what's in your bank account, but what comes from your heart.